Well, hello once again, Porch Project listeners. I feel like we need a different. We we can always say that, but it, like the triple P's a slang term for uh, our listeners. The Porch po- Porch Project people, uh, triple P's. We could. I, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't. I don't, don't want to take it. I don't. The first there. thing, the image in my head was a porch swing, and then I was like, "We're just calling the swingers." And then I was like, "No way!" <laughs> Definitely wasn't thinking that we one. Will, we will not refer to you as our swingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely on track. Now. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, uh, yeah. Well, we know where uh, the Reverend or the Mitchell's finds that tonight. <laughs> So why don't you guys tell us about the marriage retreat? That you yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm lost. I don't even know what to say. Uh, yeah. So we got to come up with a, a better name for them. But uh, or, or y'all come out. Y'all give us some uh, feedback on that. Go to our Facebook page. Comment. Let us know uh, if you just want to be called the Standard Porch Project listeners, or hopefully not the Swingers. <laughs> But we'll see about that. Um, the rockers, maybe that's a little more. The rockers. There more, you uh, go. There you go. Gentle. Um, but yeah, we are. Uh, we're glad you're joining us again um, tonight. We're going to talk about uh, what a Christian walk should look like. Uh, no swinging. No swinging. <laughs> no swinging. There should not be any swinging in a Christian walk. <laughs> But with that being said, um, first off, we want to start on exactly why um, why we should have a Christian walk. And so with that being said, uh, there, Bishop Bates, why do you think we should have a Christian walk? And no, I'm not picking on you because you said something about swingers. <laughs> why do I think we should have a Christian walk? Why should we have a Christian walk? Well, I, I think that is based on our relationship with Jesus first and foremost. So uh, the fact that Jesus calls us to that walk is why we should have it. Um, now, that obviously not, not everybody's walk is going to look the same, but I think that we've all been called to have uh, some standardized pieces to our walk, and I'm sure we'll get some detail on here in a little bit. But um, everybody's walk might look a little different, but we should all be walking with Jesus in those things and applying the principles that he's given us. Um, I think the importance of uh, using the term walk as we think about that to me is walking implies moving forward. It it implies that I have not grown stagnant, that I have not just accomplished something and then sat down, but that I have begun a journey and that I have taken a step and I have begun this process of of walking. Um, And so to me that even just the phrasing of that is important because it it describes and determines what we are actually doing. We didn't just get saved and baptized and then sit down on a pew somewhere, but we have walked with Jesus every day since. Um, so I think that's important, that God doesn't call us to just sit and be content, but to move forward at all times. Um, well, and if you think about the disciples, that's kind of what Jesus said to them the first time he met them. He said, hey, follow me. That was that was the first commandment that was given to them, so it's, it's kind of the same with us when, when we have that Christian walk, to Chris's point, there has to be a following of Christ if we're going to be more like him. I actually just preached about this to our Spanish service on Sunday, but 
when you think about discipleship, discipleship is a relationship, and the only way that you can have a relationship with someone is through proximity, and it's through time spent together, and it's through communication, and it's through uh, communication. So in order to have that walk, there's got to be a following. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Or well, maybe, that's a quick podcast. On to the next yep. subject. All right. Here we go. We're gonna move. On. Maybe you're like one of those Baptist people that hadn't quite learned to say amen yet, so it's just one of those. <clears throat> mm. <laughs> one of those moves. <laughs> no, I'm I'm more the uh, uh, the true uh, traditional Baptist where we just sit there and be quiet. <laughs> Preacher does all the talking. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, <clears throat> we have to look. First off, we should have fruit by walking daily with with Christ and and trying to follow in His footsteps, uh, just as the disciples were. Then we produce fruit, and by producing fruit, we're giving God the glory. And he's always going to get the glory um, when we're walking in the way that he's called us to. Uh, I was, the reason you got a yeah there, uh, Friar West. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was trying to look it up real quick, and I, I, Google did not help me very well. <laughs> um, but I was trying to look up, uh, Paul also, he adds um, in Romans somewhere, and sorry, I'm sure I'll get beat up for this later because I didn't know it. But uh, he says, you know, essentially, should we sin so that God's grace abounds? And he said, heaven forbid. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't continue even though God's grace does abound. It it is all covering. Um, We shouldn't continue in that sin just because we want his grace to abound. Uh, because his his glory and his grace get shown through our our walk when we're walking like him. So, well, the first you know the first instance of somebody walking with God was in the garden mm-hmm. with Adam and Eve. The first you know the first creation of man, God's way of fellowshipping with them was coming down and meeting them in the garden and walking with them. And every instant in the Bible where God picked someone and used them in a mighty way, whether it be Abraham or Moses or, you know, Elijah or Enoch or any of them, the first thing he did is walk with them. And I think when somebody gets saved and gets in his word, the word becomes a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path, indicating there's a course that God wants us to go. And the only way to know that course is to walk in that path and develop a relationship i mean you you hike somewhere with somebody for a little while you get to know them in in ways that you can't other way you know and with with our walk with god the more we walk with him and the more we're with him in that intimate setting of two friends walking you know that does more for somebody spiritually i think than almost anything else we can do that alone time where it's just, you know, the individual and his creator and his savior, that's 
special that you know that can't be bought or fabricated or produced in any other way than that quiet stroll <laughs> yeah that quiet walk well a couple things stand out to me about that and and it brings some things to mind so what you just said about that walk you know and that is what what Jesus calls us to do is he calls us to follow him mm-hmm. and just as he presented that option to the disciples he also presented that option to someone else in the bible and and I didn't even know or pick up on this until recently when I heard it in a sermon but the rich young ruler received the same invitation to follow him mm-hmm. that the disciples received exactly the disciples chose to drop their nets and follow him, but the rich young ruler essentially said no thanks because he had too many possessions and he wasn't willing to give the sacrifices or give up what he had in order to follow or pursue Christ. So when it comes to to a Christian walk, you do have the decision. You do have the option to say yes or no. You can follow him and go on that journey that you were just talking about, or you can simply say no and miss out on everything that he has in store for you. And, and the next thing that kind of came to mind is, is, Chris, I heard you, sorry to put you on the spot, but I heard a sermon that you did one time. It, it's been several years ago, so I hope you can go that far back in your memory oh, bank. Snap, here we go. <laughs> but why don't you talk about the, the cultural context of, of that following of Jesus where um, it talks about how young boys at that time were essentially given a couple of different paths that they could go down. They could go through uh, rabbinical training, Mm -hmm. or they could go into some sort of trade schooling. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so let me brush that out of the the cobwebs out of it. It's only been about four and a half years. I I don't know that I can remember all the Hebrew terms for all this stuff, but there are essentially to be born into a Jewish home, especially as a male child, you were all taken to kind of a, a certain level of education and training. Every every single male child went through that. So you you went through not only education, but also just religious training. Um, that was led at a certain school. There were rabbis involved in that. You were trained up in the teachings of the Old Testament and the law. Um, and then at some point in there, you were essentially given a test of like, have you retained this information do you have the gifting of being able to understand scripture and communicate it? And you were given a test and, and they were uh, essentially it was pass fail. Um, and if you passed it, then you got to continue in your education. If you didn't pass the test, you were sent home to learn your father's trade at that point. Um, and so for the ones who, who passed that test, and this is, I mean, they, some people describe this test as, you know, these guys who were going to become Pharisees and rabbis, they had to have the entire Torah memorized. So the first five books of the Old Testament memorized word for word. So some of these rabbis would come and they would test these, these young boys by coming and they would, they would literally quote a passage from the Old Testament. And the way that that student would pass that test would, was to be able to either quote the passage right before that or right after it from memory. So not only did you have to know the passage, but you had to know where it was in Scripture and what came before it and after it. It wasn't just, oh, let me memorize John 3.16. It was like, let me memorize the entire book of John and Matthew and Mark and Luke and if you came and quoted any one of the verses in there, I could tell you what book of the Bible it was in, what verse it was, and quote all the verses surrounding it. And so it was, it was a very challenging 
test, but but essentially it was it was again it was pass fail, and so the, the the boys who succeeded in that would go on essentially to become rabbis. They would go to another level of training. There was a second part in that though that as these rabbis would come by, and they would test these these boys and their training and their their development. If a it wasn't there came a point in their education where it wasn't like let me go to this classroom and study anymore. It was. I'm going to follow a rabbi around, and this rabbi is going to handpick me to follow him and to be a disciple of his. And so these rabbis would literally come. They would quiz these these men, these boys, and if the boy succeeded and the rabbi felt good about it, then he would literally say to this, this kid, like, follow me. And from that point forward, the boy would leave his mother and father. He would leave the trade that his dad had taught him, and he would leave all that behind, and he would follow this rabbi to go learn how that rabbi taught and what he uh, what he believed on theology and how he loved people, how he led within the temple, like all these different things uh, that that they would go and learn from these rabbis. Um, and there was a common phrase too that uh, that I love. Uh, it was the phrase from the father to the son uh, that if a rabbi came uh, for me as a father, my son Gavin, if a rabbi had come to Gavin, quizzed him, and then given given him the command to follow him. Gavin would come home, celebrate with me, and say, I've been called by this rabbi. And then some of these fathers would return this Jewish phrase that says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the, and the concept of that phrasing was literally, it's like, would you follow him so closely that when he steps in a pile of dust and kicks it up, you get covered in it because you're walking behind him so closely. And like that was the blessing of the father to the son to go follow this rabbi. So when you get to Jesus's command and he goes to the seashore there and he's talking to Peter and all these different guys and and he literally gives the command, follow me, there's a couple things you have to notice about that. Number one, they are doing a trade at that point, which means they failed in their schooling. They didn't pass the test. They were sent home to learn their father's trade. Um, but number two, the command of Jesus to say, follow me, wasn't just a random set of words that Jesus chose. He was literally following this rabbinic pattern of calling a disciple to follow him. Um, and what I love about it is you see so many of these disciples, they, they hear it and they don't even go to their father half of the time. A couple of them do, but a couple of them, it's literally like they dropped their, I think, Will, you taught on this just last night yeah. with a youth group. Yeah. Uh, where it's like they dropped their nets immediately and followed yeah, followed Jesus. Off. They didn't even wait for the blessing of their father. It was like I'm just I'm going mm-hmm. um, because it was for the first time in their life they had a rabbi who looked at them and said I find value in you. I, I, there's something that you can do and you can add and and I I I'm calling you and that was huge to them. It was a it wasn't just a calling. It was a, a almost a social status change. Yeah. It was a it was so many different things for them and so. To follow this rabbi, Jesus were otherwise, uh, was was more than just let me go to church and learn about him. It was literally let me go do life with this man for the next several years of my life. Learn everything that I can from him about what he knows about scripture and theology and love and practical sides of religion. And then he's going to release me to become my own rabbi and, and teach others to do the same. I think, is that the message you were talking about? Yeah. I, I no, hope it, so, because I just spent 20 minutes. <laughs> time, so. Well, not quite 20. Not <laughs> no, quite it 20, is, it yeah. is. It, it's just kind of putting it into a, a different perspective of what it means to follow Christ and to spend time with him and to engage in that Christian walk, because that's a term that that's probably thrown around in 
the church world all the time. Well, how is your walk with Christ? How is your, your Christian walk? Whatever, whatever. But I don't think any of us may fully grasp or understand what that truly means, which I think is what this conversation is kind of directed towards. So to add that perspective, to, to shine a little bit more light onto why we even say that in the first place, yeah, I think that's that's huge. Yeah, and with that, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what that actually looks like. Well, welcome back, and like we were talking about right before the break, what Wes was saying, um, we do use that word walk a lot, but what does that actually mean? And and that's kind of what we want to talk a little bit about in this in this uh, second half of the podcast. And Pat, as we were talking over the break, um, you were kind of talking about essentially how we compare ourselves to others around us and what that walk looks like. And, I, and so I just will give you I'll let you take the wheel on this one and, <laughs> and uh, you know, talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, I'm just saying I appreciate uh, what Chris had mentioned about those young men following Christ or following the rabbis. And I think it's been a struggle for, you know, a multitude of people down through the years that as Christians we get saved and... You know, we've got these ideas and these men that we look up to and these ministries that we, we try to mimic, and we fall short so many times because as new Christians, uh, I think sometimes we expect it out of ourselves, and I've even seen it expected from leadership that a young Christian, you know, been saved to six months, act like a pastor that's been saved for 20, 30 years. Uh, and we compare ourselves, and the devil does a good job of pointing it out that your, you know, your walk, your your life, your walk with God, you can't live up to somebody else's walk. And we look at these older men, and we, you know, we we have respect for them, and we try to gear our walk the same way they walk. And no man can walk in another man's path. And I think that's, uh, you know, I appreciate what you said, Chris, that. You know, we're not to walk as each other. You know, I'm not to I'm not to walk in your path, Will, or your past with, or your past. Uh, you know, even though we're we're all pastors, I'm not to walk in your path, and we're also not to judge our walk based on somebody else's walk, because we're gonna fall short. And you know, you never pick anybody lesser than you to walk after. You always pick that person that you have respect for, and most of the time we can't. We we fall short every day. And when we do that, I think it leads to the idea, well, if I can't live up to him, you know, or his walk, or I can't follow in his footsteps, then there's no use in trying. And we forget that it's Christ. He's the one we're supposed to be walking after. And, you know, walking with Christ, when we do fall, he reaches down and picks us up. And when we do stumble and when we can't go on you know he picks us up and carries us and if we follow him then he develops us into the person that he wants us to be and that is is so important because 
you know, if I try to walk in your shoes, I'm going to mess up. I, I wasn't designed to. God didn't create me to walk in your shoes. He didn't create you to walk in my shoes. So I think we spend a lot of time trying to uh, have a spiritual battle of trying to live up to other people's expectations when God never called us to do that. And I think our walk, we stumble in our walk by following other people's path when we should be walking so close to Christ that when he stops, we bump into him. Or when he creates dust, it lands on us. You know, that would be the ultimate goal because if everybody followed Christ, you know, when he got to where he was going, we'd be there. <laughs> you know, and that's that. That's imp- I appreciate what you said about that because so many times I see guys trying to mimic other people or judge themselves based on the failures and successes of other people, and you can't do that. Your walk is unique to you, and your your walk was designed before the foundation of the world for you, and your destination was dex- designated by God, and. You know, it's up to us to walk so close to him that we don't miss that destination. And, you know, I think that would do all of us good, you know, if we'd realize, hey, we're in it together, but we're not to walk after each other. We're to walk after Christ. And if we would, then, you know, if you're walking so close to Christ, you ain't got your eyes on nobody else. <laughs> yeah. And that would help everybody's walk, you know. And, and in that, I guess... What what would our generic walk look like? And again, Christ. not well, yeah. But I'm, I'm saying if if we're sitting if we're sitting in in the car listening to this on the way to work or whatever, what are some things that we can we know that our walk is? I, I feel like it, this is going to be a very tricky uh, statement to make, but some like. Not not necessarily a checklist, but what are some things that we we can know that we're in the right direction? We're headed in the right direction. That we're. we're I think if we're in His Word, what are something that we should be doing? Yeah, if we're in His Word regularly, because that's the light to our path. If we're in His Word, and if we're in His Word to the point that His Word is in us, then uh, it becomes natural. Uh, my brother was talking a while back and he made the comment he said when me and my dad walked across the field we've you know we've got mm-hmm. the farm and he said when me and me and my dad walk across the field and we have our backs toward anybody he said i can't tell you apart you know he said you look you walk exactly like your dad and a lot of people's told me that you know he said walking walking down the across the field you look just like your dad and that comes from not trying it comes from following him you know all my life i followed him fishing i followed him hunting i followed him in the woods you know i followed him working and if you look at pictures of us we we resemble each other when we act or when we work we do the same things when we fish together we don't talk. We mumble to each other, and there's a whole conversation that takes place between me and him, and nobody else can understand. But that comes from being with him. It don't come from effort. It don't come from studying the way he walks. It comes from following the way he walks. And I think that's that's what Christ wants. I don't think it's a rules of mandates that we have to, 
do this, this, and this in order to be right. I think if we follow him naturally, the longer we follow him, the more we look like him. It's like a married couple. You ever heard, yeah. hear people say, you know, y'all been married so long, you look alike. Yeah. And, and that's true. You act alike. And I think the longer you walk with Christ, the more naturally you start resembling him. And I think that's the goal, you know. I, th- I think it's a little, in my opinion, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, but I don't think that I would negate the uh, or or do away with the intentionality of studying it either, right? No, so no, no. There, there is both sides of that that I agree. I, I want it, the the proximity that Wes was talking about earlier and preached in our Spanish service about on Sunday that that relational proximity, being around Jesus, is enough to transform me. Being in His presence. That's why um, when Mary and Martha, Jesus was in their home, and uh, Martha was busy serving, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' sitting at feet, feet. Yeah. and Martha's trying to do all this stuff and trying to perform and and trying to impress Jesus and. And she gets mad that Mary's not up doing the same thing and, and confronts Jesus about it. And was like, hey, will you tell my sister to get up and do something? And Jesus' response was, Mary's chosen the better thing, and I'm not going to take that from her. Right. So to be in proximity of Jesus and to sit and to listen was enough. But I also think there is the other side of that coin, too, where there is intentionality in our walk that has to happen, that there is some understanding of being close to Jesus requires intentionality on my behalf. Oh, so in other words, just showing up to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday or being a part of a small group is not enough to say I'm close to Jesus and I'm being transformed. There are things that I have to put into practice that make me be close to Jesus yeah. in proximity, and being in his presence transforms me all the more. Definitely. Ephesians 4 uh, talks about that uh, beginning in verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. There's this idea of, of taking off and putting on, and, and many pastors preach about that. Um, that's not, not a new concept by any stretch, but it, I pray this prayer a lot on Sunday mornings uh, when I... I normally will read the passage in my sermon, and at the end of reading the passage, I'll stop and say, let's let's pray over the reading of God's Word. And more often than not, somewhere in that prayer, these words will come out of me, and it'll say sound something like, God, if there's anything in this passage that doesn't look like us, like if there's something in here that that we haven't learned yet, that that, that doesn't line up with who we are, help us to cast that thing off. And if there's anything in it that we need to pick up and put on, like show us that too, those spiritual disciplines that we can apply to our lives. And that comes out of this Ephesians 4 mm-hmm. idea of like put off and put on. That happens through intentionality and study, and, uh, and, and that is what allows us that proximity to Jesus. We come into Jesus' presence. We follow him as closely as we can by learning his teachings and taking things off and putting things on. And then by being in God's presence, we get transformed, and that becomes... A natural thing that becomes the walk that it does. where people can't distinguish you. It does, you know? and you and you have to get in His Word because, but the more, you know, the more, uh, the more we walk, or the closer our walk, or the more devoted our walk, however you want to word it, the more we learn about Christ. Hopefully, the more we'll be drawn to Him, and the more we fall in love with Him the more we want, you know, the more we have a desire to, okay, where's he stepping? Where, you know, 
where what's he how does he re, the woman at the well how does he respond to 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 sinners how does he you know how does how do you become a fisherman you study the fisherman you know you study his techniques and just like you're saying the more we the more we pray uh the more we get in his word the more we mimic his actions the more we become like him and it, it the study the prayer the even the fasting or or whatever whatever guidelines you use uh it becomes a natural flow in somebody's life that that god produces over time and and like you said we can fall we we can we have a choice and i believe that choice is extended to everybody everybody that comes to christ is offered the opportunity to to follow him and become fishers of men or to walk in darkness and even as even as christians we can we can walk outside his path and and stumble but you know the more we do study and the more we devote ourselves to putting off the old man and putting on the new man the more we do look like him and the closer we get to him the more we want to put off and and to put on you know uh but it becomes a natural natural flow if we allow it you know Friar Myers, you're awfully quiet over there. And we're still quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of something witty to say, but I was just watching these two heavyweights go hand-to-hand. Like, I have a front-row seat to the greatest show on earth, so I'm just sitting back and and enjoying it. And I no I, I you know please don't I don't no want I'm not saying that you guys uh, were, were I, arguing or battling no, by I, any means I agree wholeheartedly with what what Chris said because you're exactly right a Christian that does not study to learn about Christ he don't know where to, you know his word is a light into my path but if I'm not in his word the light's out mm-hmm. you know and we have to put off you know I know I know Christians that have been saved and they love the Lord. But they've never started in that. They've been saved, but they're sitting idle. They're not walking. They're not progressing. And you know, can you... I hijack the moderator position for a second? Absolutely. Sweet. I want to hijack the moderator position because because I want to ask maybe a more practical, like bullet point question in this of like, Wes, what are the things and will? Um, what are the things the evangelist will or by the way, <laughs> not Pap will. What are the and and Pap, you're willing to more than willing to answer this question too. So all three of you, but what are the what are the bullet point things that you would say are the pieces that are a part of your walk every day? Not the practical pieces. Yes, we want to be close to Jesus, proximity. We want to study His Word. We want to do all those things. But like, what are the practical things that you would go? This is what my walk with Jesus looks like. That has greatly benefited my my time with Him, and I've experienced the growth and the fruit that Will talked about earlier. I've seen the fruit. I've experienced the growth because I did these things as I walked with Jesus. Well, see, and Will, that's that's kind of where my mind went when you first sent the text message to stoke the, the, the fire of the conversation. You said we're going to be talking about our Christian walk. And when I started to do, Chris, what you were just explaining, the first thing that came to mind for me was the greatest piece of advice that we ever receive, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. And it comes out of John chapter 2, and 
it's verse 5. It says, his mother, being Mary, Jesus' mother, said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So from a practical standpoint, I had to throw the word standpoint in there, but from a practical standpoint, just do whatever he tells you to do. Once you have that relationship with him, he is going to guide you. He blessed us with the Holy Spirit, who is a helper that he says is even better than he. So we have that Holy Spirit living within us. We have that Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And it is going to guide us if we allow it. So if we allow it to guide us, just do whatever he tells you to do, whatever that may be. Sometimes what he tells you to do is going to be really easy, but sometimes it's going to be really challenging. So if we can just bring ourselves to that place of obedience, but also... So that's, that's Chris, that's what you were speaking into, the, the intentionality and the obedience and the just work that you have to put in to have a relationship with Christ while balancing just the natural byproducts that come along with that relationship. Just, just do what he tells you to do. Yeah. Wherever he leads you, go. Whatever he guides you to do, do that. You know, for me... It's really clear when God is telling me to do something by default or however, however you want to put it. I'm an incredibly anxious person. I deal with a ton of anxiety, so I know what those triggers feel like. You know, I'll get jittery. I'll get um, my mind will start to wander, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something, I get this nauseousness in my stomach. And I know that that's not going to rid itself if I don't do whatever he's prompting me to do. Meaning, if I'm at the gas station and for whatever reason God tells me, hey, you need to go give this person $20, like it's going to hit me in the pit of my stomach and I'm going to be like, well, I don't don't want to give away $20 right now. I don't have any cash on me. Well, there's an ATM in there. I'll start to try and come up with all these different reasons as to why I can't or don't want to do what he's calling me to do. But that that feeling, that gut feeling will be there. And I know, I know, I know if I ignore it, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until I can't bear it anymore and I just have to, to do it. So I know that's incredibly personal to me, but everyone's walk with Christ is that way. What And, and Pap, you were, you were saying this, what my walk with Christ looks like, yours may not look like. And, and the triggers and prompts that I receive from God, you guys may not receive, but but based on... I guess how I, I am naturally wired, he knows that that's a way to get my attention. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's that's as practical as I can make it. Whatever he tells you to do, do just, it, just do, do it. it. And then when you do it, don't do it half-heartedly. Do it to the full extent, you know, to the best of your ability, giving him all you have. If you continue to read that passage, there were uh, water pots that were empty, and they weren't small little five-gallon buckets. They were like huge 30-gallon pots of water, and he told the disciples to fill those to the brim. So his mother, Mary, said, look, whatever he says to do, just do that. So the disciples, they're probably looking at each other like, well, I guess we got to go find some water. And they could have filled up one. They could have filled up two. They could have filled them up a quarter of the way. They could have put a couple of drops in there. But no, they did it to the best of their ability. They filled them to the brim. So whatever he said to do, they did it 100%. And I think it's the same with us. You know, if 
back to my gas station story or, or analogy, if, if I compromise with myself or whatever the case may be, if, if I offer them $10 or $5, well, that's not doing it as he told me to do if he told me to give $20. So do what he tells you to do and do it to the best of your ability, no questions asked. And, <clears throat> of course, completely agree with everything everybody has said. For me, at the most basic level, um, I think it starts with seeking God. I learned to play the guitar, probably not very well, um, but I did learn <laughs> to play the guitar uh, in, in college. And when I started, it was something that I had a passion for, that I had a desire for. And so I, I probably did not do that well at other classes, specifically because my passion was for playing the guitar. And so I think it's the same way when it comes to God. If our passion and our desire is to know God and who He is and how He is and, and what He calls us to do, we're going to seek him. We're going to find out everything we possibly can. It's, uh, well, it's like you trying to build, rebuild a motor. Like if you don't know something about the motor, you know you need to rebuild it. You're going to look up everything Every you can about rebuilding that motor. Mm -hmm. When it comes to God, if, <clears throat> if we're seeking God, then we're going to do everything we can. We're going to listen and we're going to follow the the spirit and in, in, in its guidance. We're going to be in the scriptures. We're going to be in prayer. We're going to worship. We're going to go to church. It's all going to come as, as natural, I think, from any human standpoint. When we want to know about something, we, we find dive. Out. Yeah, we're going to do everything. As far as me personally, I, it goes back to the big three, and it, it would be scripture, prayer and and listening um i was going to make a joke about fasting but i, I decided not to um but <laughs> it, it it would be there's been a whole lot of fasting going on around this no, table. Uh, no. that's why you called me a heavyweight earlier <laughs> <laughs> um but well, we'll get into that later <laughs> but but i, I think it, it's those three it's it's being in the scriptures, reading everything that I can um, about what Jesus is telling me, um, studying that, trying to memorize that. I don't have the best brain, as y'all could tell earlier by the the Romans reference, mm -hmm. but I try, and, and so um, it's something that we're we're just constantly trying to get more, as well as sitting back and listening, as Wes was talking about. As the Spirit leads us, it might not be listening from a, an audible sound per se, but with Wes, it's the anxiety, this, this nauseous feeling. Um, for others, it may be different things, but it's, it's this listening. It's, there's a clear-cut path out in front of you, and you've got to take it. And, and this, like, this voice in the back of your head saying, do this, or whatever the case may be. So that listening aspect has to be there. Um, I always uh, have thought of, you know, talking to God and praying with, 
and, and listening um, is kind of like a, just a standard conversation piece. If I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, it's not going to be me talking the entire time. That person's going to eventually turn around and walk away. They don't mm-hmm. want, they're not able to speak. And so we, we have to have that time. It, and even if it's in a prayer time, I, I feel like you've got to just pause and listen. And listen. Yeah. I'm not saying that like you, you've got to sit there for like three hours on end just listening, but like prayer is a continuous thing. We, we, we treat prayer, and, and I don't mean to say that we treat it that way, but a lot of times when um, we go to pray and things like that, we, we treat it as dear God, dear Lord, dear you know, Father in heaven, whatever, and then when we say amen, that's it. But that 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 doesn't have to be. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be this constant mm-hmm. communication that we're having with God, and then we're also listening for God. So, like I said, I think for me and my standpoint, at the most basic level, it's just, am I seeking God? Am I trying to find out more about Him? I think the desire part, you hit it on the head, and I'm going to use this as an analogy. You wanted to play the guitar, and that was your passion, and you 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 drove yourself to learn. Well, I wanted to play the guitar real bad for years, and I didn't practice, and I didn't put in the effort. I bought two or three guitars. I bought several manuals on how to play the guitar. I bought all kind of videos and books and watched videos on YouTube of how to play the guitar, and I wanted to play real bad, and after years of not practicing, that's exactly how I play, real bad. (laughs) And it's the same thing with our walk with God, you know, where one person has a desire, I want to walk with God, I want to study, I want to, I want to, I want to be obedient, I want to follow Him, I want to put off and put on the new man, when when that desire is there, you're going to do those things. When that desire's not there, then the prayer don't happen, the the study don't happen, the the listening don't happen. We fill our mind and our heart with all these worldly things that take that desire from us. And no matter how many books or how many sermons or whatever you listen to. If we don't develop that desire, then the path is dark. If the desire's there, then we do, you know. If I desire to learn the Word of God, I'm going to get in it. If I desire to hear from God, I'm going to talk to Him. If I desire to to be a fisher of men, then I'm going to be obedient, you know. But when that desire grows cold, then our walk gets difficult. And I think, I think, Keeping that flame burning, whatever it takes to keep that flame burning, is a is a key part because this world sucks all the you know yeah. all the excitement, the desire out, and fills it with all this other stuff. And for a young Christian, if you can get that young, even an old Christian, you know, if you can keep that desire alive, then then the prayer, the listening, the obedience, you know, we must follow Him. Uh, and uh, you know, if if that desire's there, everything, everything else will will come. You know, when that desire is cold, then that's I think that's what I have to work on personally. 
when I don't feel like praying, there's a reason. You know, when I don't feel like studying, when I don't feel like being obedient to everything the Lord tells me. Yeah. That desire is what I have to work on first and foremost to to renew that flame. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that uh, this has been enlightening uh, to the, you as a listener. I hope that we have given some clarity if you are new to the faith um, and aren't quite sure what these guys standing behind the pulpit are talking about when they say walk and things like that. And so I hope this is uh, this is something you, you can take from here and build on. As always, we thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, be sure to go to our Facebook page, like it, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do to get uh, up to date with us. If you got any ideas, suggestions, want to reach out to us in any way, uh, please do so by messing us, messaging us uh, through that. And uh, we'll see you next time.